When I was uh, at Montreat, um, I don't know if you've heard of Montreat College, but it's a small Christian school, liberal arts Christian school in uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, of North Carolina. Uh, one of the things that we're known for is outdoor education. If you do a Google search on out- outdoor education, most likely you'll you'll come to a uh, uh, a link about Montreat College is one of the top five or top ten. Uh, outdoor education uh, programs uh, in the United States at this little Christian school. Uh, so a lot of that kind of permeated uh, throughout all the classes that I took. I was a Bible and religion major. And uh, my, one of my professors, Dr. Glassford, uh, loved the outdoors. And one of the things that he taught uh, us, and used this very, I think, vivid uh, illustration to, to talk about teaching and learning. And he, and he said, uh, parenting and student ministry are very similar in this way. Uh, it's, it, it's almost like when you're, you, you're going down the, the river, uh, let's say in a canoe, uh, what do you do when you're, when you're teaching your, your child to, to learn to navigate the waters? You're in there with them, uh, you're teaching them strokes, you're, you're letting them know that you gotta paddle faster than the current takes you. Uh, you got to be able to control the water, uh, direct uh, certain ways, things to avoid. And, and as you're leading them along, you're showing that uh, to them. Uh, and then as they grow and, and their understanding of this, uh, maybe you, you get in a canoe with them uh, you know, side by side. And you're still kind of with them. They're doing it, but you're directing them. Not necessarily doing it for them but giving them opportunity uh, to do that as well. If things go awry, you can reach over, grab the canoe, bring them close, uh, and so on. And then eventually, maybe you'll do directing on the, on the uh, you'll have them in, in the water. You'll be on the, the, the bank, the river bank, walking alongside, shouting out, do this, do this, watch out for that rapid, be careful, do this maneuver, until eventually they'll be able to navigate the waters their own. Now, what's interesting about the, the waters, especially in North Carolina, is because of the, the mountains, there's what's called confluence. There's multiple rapids within the water. What's, uh, what we see happening on the surface isn't necessarily what's happening below the surface. Uh, oftentimes, the, the, the current is much swifter underneath the water. That's why we have to be very careful when we're... Uh, in the rapids. Um, now we're not going to be doing that this week on this uh, float trip, um, but um, there is a reality of if our children, our students, don't heed uh, the wisdom of our instruction, what's going to happen? What could happen to them? They could die, right? And that same imagery, I, I, as I'm reading through Proverbs chapter four just is pronounced very clearly. Son, heed my words. Heed my wisdom. Lock them in your heart. So when you face temptation, when you face struggle, you will you will have wisdom and discernment. You will be able to navigate the uh, waters full of confluence and struggle. Uh, that's what the Lord is calling us here. Possibly through Solomon. 
if you look at, uh, with me in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm just going to read the first two uh, verses of chapter 4. It says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Let's pray one more time. Father, as we examine your word, we pray that you would send your spirit, that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to receive it. Father, that we may walk in your ways, that we may know and love Jesus more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There's two words. Uh, As you can see, my proposition is uh, God offers wisdom and insight to those, uh, excuse me, to us, his people, through his good word. So if you look at just the first, uh, really, two uh, words of verse 1, uh, that first word here uh, in the Hebrew is Shema. Uh, and that um, re- should remind every reader to go back to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, where uh, God is meeting with his people, the second giving of the law, He's uh, about to bring them into the promised land. And this is what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord your God is one. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. Uh, and, And to paraphrase, tuck this into your heart. Teach them to your children. So what is the Lord instructing us? A couple of things. One... To remember his faithfulness, his action towards his people. Ever since Genesis uh, 3.15, God has been about pursuing his people, drawing his people to himself so that they may hear his good word, that they may uh, be filled in it, that they may know that they have a God who cares for them, who fights for them, who is uh, about saving them. This same God is the same one who is through the the author of Proverbs chapter 4, which I think is possibly Solomon, beckoning to his own sons and us, his sons and daughters, heirs of the promise. Hear the word of the Lord. It's good. He has been pursuing you. Why? Because he loves you. He delights in you. He's about you. Even when you fall on your face. He has promised to take upon himself to redeem you. And we believe that's ultimately fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So the, the Father is coming to us and he's making a promise through his good word to come, come, find wisdom, insight in him alone. Uh, the second, uh, two, the, uh, maybe second and third word, O sons, hear O sons, uh, that's actually that those three uh, words here translated in the English actually is what uh, Jacob used uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 49. Right when he's about to die, he, he beckons his sons, all 12 of them. And he goes, uh, son by son, this is who you are. You are a child of the promise. This is how the Lord's going to use you. And if you look at... Um, uh, verses, uh, I don't have time to 
to look at this, but 8 through 12, uh, he talks about his son Judah. And he, and he makes a statement that from you, uh, the Lord will, will, uh, will alluding to uh, bringing the Messiah, that he will bless the nations through you. Uh, you know, these 12 sons are fulfillment of the promise that was promised in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman will destroy the seed of the serpent, right? And we follow that through Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, and now to his 12, particularly through Judah, right? That the promised Messiah will come to bring healing, power. He, uh, God will demonstrate his glory in redeeming a people for himself. So here is Jacob, who is now, if you remember, um, his name has been changed to Israel, right? We are sons of Abraham. We are believing Israel. These promises are for you and me. He's gathering his sons and daughters to himself. And he's reminding us and them, you are children of the promise. This has uh, amazing implications for your life. You are secure. Your identity is true. You have the delight of the Father. He cares for you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. Trust in Him. Serve Him with the whole of your life. Every aspect of your life, right? Mind, body, soul. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the uh, latter part of today's uh, passage. So I think, I believe, uh, that Solomon is, is picking this up. And he's, he's beckoning his sons to come to him. And he's, he's reminding them, you are, a, you are a son of the king. God has made promises. You are of the bloodline. Hear the wisdom of the Lord. Which moves to our first point. The Father's invitation to wisdom source. Uh, if you look at uh, verse 3 and 4, where is, where is uh, Solomon getting his wisdom? When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me. So who is his father? If this is Solomon, who is his father? David, right? What was promised to David? Your son will sit on the throne forever. I will not tear the kingdom from your hand. From your son's hand I will. But know this, you are a man after my own heart. I have promised uh, to bring redemption to God's people through your bloodline. He's reminding his sons, you too are heirs to this promise. You too are part of this bloodline. You too are a part of God's promises for you and your family. This is what it means. This is what it looks like to be the son, the heir to these promises. He's reminded, he's reminding, uh, his sons of where this wisdom comes from, David, which ultimately has been bestowed by God, the Father, through His Word. He's inviting them to come and seek out the Lord, to find their identity in Him, to find their meaning and purpose. You know, th- think about it. Who, who are, who are these sons? What are they, what have they been called to do? To lead God's people. To care for them. To fight for them. They're, they're the future king. They will fight 
for the people. They will rule in righteousness. They will bring judgment. And their judgment won't be based on their own strength or their own understanding. It will be based upon the wisdom, the discernment uh, from above, shown forth in His Word by His Holy Spirit. So the invitation isn't just to come and hear about from Grandpa, but it's deeper than that. Come and hear from the Lord. When I was reading through this, preparing uh, through this this week, uh, th- this particular passage struck me deeply uh, because I have a, a daughter sitting in the front row. I have two sons and, and another daughter. And so I'm, I'm called as a father to follow after the father to impart this upon my own children. Uh, and I'm reminded I don't do this well. I'm reminded that oftentimes the vernacular that we use in our household is go, go to the playroom. You know, I'm, I'm too busy to deal with you. Uh, oftentimes it's yelling, you're doing this wrong without necessarily showing them how to do it. Not necessarily enabling them to stand on their own two feet. Uh, I'm reminded of what we, what we were told in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Lord your God. The Lord, He is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? Impart these to your children. So, fathers, how are you doing? Are you imparting these truths to your children? Do they, do they know the Father? Do they know the love of the Father? Maybe if you're like me, you hear this and you're convicted. Oh, how I have fallen short. It's not too late. Right? As, as we know with Solomon, as we know with David, each of us fall short. But God's grace and mercy abound. Uh, another part of, of Deuteronomy chapter 6 shows the, the, the loving kindness abounding uh, in the love of the Father towards his people. There's hope, there's assurance that God will do the work in spite of ourselves, in spite of our miscomings, in spite of our shortfalls. So if you're like me, uh, fathers, trust in the Lord, pray for them. Seek your sons and your daughters out. Seek to impart them with this truth. Maybe you're hearing this and you don't have a father. Maybe you're, you're wrestling with this because of the, the relationship that you have with your own father has been uh, deeply marred and wound, wounded. Know this. If you want to know wisdom, get wisdom. Seek the Lord in humility. Trust in Him. Serve Him. Love Him. Know that He can heal your brokenness. As He did with David, as He did with Solomon, that is offered to us, his sons and daughters. Know that you have a heavenly father who is caring for you, who is guiding you, who is keeping you. Trust in him. Know that he has surrounded you with God's people. You know, the, the first part of this passage, the sons are plural. Uh, you're not alone. We're not alone. God is there with us. He, he comes to us. Through his 
good word. We have the burden, the, the reality of our shortcomings, but the great joy of knowing that they have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. As Solomon is telling his sons, as I stated before, you, you want wisdom? Get wisdom. If you look at um, verse 7 and verse 5, that, that word translated get wisdom means acquire. It means not necessarily purchase. I mean, it can have that connotation, like you're, you're purchasing someone or something. But it, what, what's behind that is this wisdom from on high has been bestowed to us. You have access to it. It's not far off. It's not in the things of this world. It's in His Word. It's in His promises. And a part of that getting wisdom is recognizing I fall short. In my own strength, I do not have it. And let that drive you to Jesus Christ. Let that drive you to God's promises demonstrated in Jesus Christ. You have wisdom. The Father bestows it upon you. How? By faith in the Holy Spirit. We are united to Christ. We are brought into His presence. We are made holy. We're made righteous. All that Christ has purchased for us is ours. That's what Ephesians says. Yours and mine. We're called to come in humility to get wisdom. At the source, God himself through his word. This uh, Friday, past Friday, uh, the, the girls and I went and saw Lion King. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie yet. Uh, and it, if you're familiar with the story and you haven't seen the, the movie, uh, again, uh, I was struck uh, by this, this scene where Rafiki, the the a baboon, right? The, he's kind of the the holy one, right? The uh, the the uh, I don't know what to call him, magician or whatever. Um, Simba, who is the son of the the king Mufasa, has lost his way, right? He Akuna Matata, he's going living life his own way, and Rafiki comes to him uh, in his time of, of need and struggle. Uh, when he's doubting himself, when he's, when he's, for, when he's forgotten who he is. And he asks the question, do you know who you are? Who are you, Simba? Where do you come from? Who do you come from? Whose son are you? And that's where we see, uh, Mufasa coming to him and reminding him, you are my son and I love you. That's all he needed to know. Right? And he turned around and he, he went to, to fight for Pride Rock. Uh, isn't that beautiful? Now, it's a, it's a kind of a dumb Disney movie, but it's a good reminder that the Father comes to us and he says, Who are you? Where are you? Do you know where you are? Do you think you know where you are? And oftentimes when we're barraded by those kind of questions, what's our answer? I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to turn to. 
And that's where the Father reminds us. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. You are my child. You are the child of the king. Remember that. I think that's what the father, that's what Solomon is saying to his sons. You are heirs to the promise. This isn't just for the males of of, uh, Solomon's family. Because you and I are looking in. We're heirs to the story too. God's word comes to us. He invites us to know him, to know ourself in him. To, to stop turning from uh, the ways of this world. To, to, to stop trying to take hold of life by the horns and submit to the will of the Father. There you will know peace. You will know assurance that will surpass all understanding in good times and bad. Solomon reminds him and us through this good word, We are the sons and daughters of the king. Rest in that. Maybe you are like uh, Simba. You're wandering about. God is coming to you. He's offering an opportunity for you to trust in him. What's keeping you? What are you looking to? There will be a time where you'll continue to look and you have to make an account for your life. Are you a child of darkness, as we'll talk about later? Or are you child of the light, child of the king? He's beckoning you to himself. Come and believe in him. Moving on to our second point. Uh, if you look at verses 10 through 19, the father's warning of wisdom's neglect. Uh, here, this is where we kind of see the, the beginning of Solomon, which really is, is in a lot of ways, are uh, kind of a constant uh, of um, throughout the, the wisdom literature, this comparing and contrasting wickedness with righteousness. There are two ways that it's being presented. Here's the way of the righteous. Here's the way of the wicked. Uh, if you look at verses, really starting verse 10, once again, we, we come to that word, Shema, right? Hear, hear the Lord your God. The Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Pass these truths on to your children. This wisdom is from above. Guard this, right? Cherish it. Uh, the, the latter part of uh, Proverbs uh, you know, 6 through 9, you have this imagery of a marriage relationship. Uh, Paul expounds on this uh, in, uh, later on in, in uh, the New Testament, where he talks about the, the mystery of marriage is Christ, the relationship between Christ and his church. Cherish her, keep her, guard her. Fight for her. Love her. Delight in her. These are the kind of things that we are called to uh, in, in our relationships with one another. Whether it's marriage, whether it's uh, friendship, these are the things that we're called to. And what, what's promised? This, this garland of grace. This beautiful crown. Um, 
God's action towards us. If we neglect these things, we'll fall on our face. We'll go down the path of the wicked. And what is, what's said here about the wicked? They cannot sleep. They're robbed of sleep until they've made someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink wine of violence. They wreak havoc in the world, in our worlds, in our relationships, at our workplace, in our bodies. These are the voices, the lies of this world, the lies of the evil one that's enticing. God is calling us, and he, and he does through, uh, if you look at um, verse 14, it says, Do not enter the path, verse 15, Avoid it. Turn away from it. Repent of it. If you've gone down this path of wickedness, the Father is coming to you. As, as we've seen in, in uh, Jesus' teaching, right? Of the prodigal son. The son returns to the Father, thinks that if I, I can gain his love and affection, what do we see the Father doing? Bringing, in a lot of ways, shame upon himself and, and running fast and hard after his lost son. Maybe you're that lost son. Maybe you're that lost daughter. Know that you have a loving father who's pursuing you. He's calling you to yourself. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad it is, no matter what you haven't done, this is God's love for you. That you can be made right with him. Turn from your ways. Seek his face. Trust in him. Wisdom's neglect will lead to your destruction. Do not take this life that the Lord has given you in your own hands. Offer it to Him. Submit to Him. What does He promise? He promises to demonstrate His glory, His power, shower His love upon you. He promises to transform you, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, from the inside out. He calls you and me, even though we fall and stumble, to follow after Him, to trust in Him, to rest in Him, knowing that He offers that forgiveness. Even though we may experience hardship and struggle and the consequences of our, of our decisions, of our waywardness, of our rebellion, God promises to come to us, to guide us, to keep us, to protect us. Turn from your ways. Trust in the Lord. Avoid it. Right? Uh, Psalm 1. Do not stand, sit, right? And, uh, in the paths of wickedness. Turn from your ways. Uh, elsewhere in scripture, there's a, there's a promise that if you come to Him, if you ask for forgiveness, He who is mercy and just will indeed forgive you of your sins. That's important. That's important for uh, the sons of the king to be reminded of that. That, yes, they're in, in charge of Israel, but God loves them and is caring for them. That God promises, in spite of yourself, to use them for his purposes. And the same goes with you and me. We may be wrestling, we may be struggling, but remember, we have a God who offers forgiveness, who turns us 
turns our gaze to himself, directs us away from wickedness down paths of righteousness for his namesake. If you are following the path of the wicked, how are you sleeping? What are you stumbling on? What are you wrestling with? What are you, what are you eating? Where, where are you finding your meaning and purpose? What's promised here to those who follow after the, uh, on the way of righteousness? That your food and your wine, your, your, your eats and your drinks are of the Lord, of his promises. The truth that has been established in his word. Look at verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. If you're like me and you've stumbled, if you've fallen, you've, you've gone your own way, you may feel that time of darkness, that time of need, that time of ostracization or, or isolation. Know that you have a, a heavenly Father who's pouring out His light, His, His light upon you. Who's, he's exposing this in your own life. He's exposing it as you read His Word, as you engage in community with the covenant community. There's hope, there's assurance there that if you are a wayward son or daughter, you have the hope and anticipation of the noonday. That your ways, if you trust in Him, will not be in darkness anymore. It will be in the bright light which we believe is Jesus Christ. John 1 talks about that, right? He who the world was created through, right? Came the light in the darkness. But the world did not know him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. We have a great God who who doesn't see us kind of, uh, as elsewhere in Scripture, kind of groping in, in, in darkness and blindness. We have a great God who comes to our rescue, who brings us out of the pit and into his great light. Uh, last Sunday with the youth, we played a game that we love here called Manhunt. It's basically an opportunity for us to, to run around the church. And we, we had stipulations on this game. It's kind of hide-and-go-seek. So I was a part of the group that was seeking those who were hiding. And we couldn't turn on any lights. We couldn't use our phone. We couldn't turn the lights on in the room. And I, I went into the conference room, and it was total darkness. I couldn't see my hand in front of my own eyes. So what did I do? I got down on the floor, and I started groping and trying to crawl. And what did I do? I banged my nose into the leg of the table in front of me. I didn't even see it. It stung. It reminded me of the power of darkness. The, another part of the game, I was now hiding. I was in the back storage room. And I had two or three people come in and search and look. And they couldn't find me. I was well hidden. Until what happened? Turned on the light, right? Then I was exposed. The same goes for you and me. This is God the Father disciplining us, His children. No longer should you be children of darkness, 
You are now children of the light. Sometimes the if if you're in darkness for long, you get used to that darkness, and when light turns on, it hurts. It's painful. But we're reminded in Hebrews chapter eleven and twelve that the great God of light, our heavenly Father, disciplines us, His children. Do not take the discipline of the Lord lightly. See it as His goodness, His grace, His mercy towards you. It's hard to remember that in the moment. Which I think is why Solomon writes to his sons, the, the path of the righteous is like the dawn of the day. There may be times where that darkness is very dark. But know that you have a great God who is a hundred million times more powerful than that darkness, who comes to bring, you, to bring you into his presence. You may be searching in terms of what your vocation is, what your calling is. Where is the Lord having you? What is he doing in your life? Why do you feel far from him? What, what, am, I, what am I struggling with? What are you struggling with? What's, what pet sins do you return to? Know that... In the context of community, we're called to, in some ways, to, to shine that, that light on those areas. Now, it isn't necessarily, oh, look at you, you're, 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 here's your sin, you idiot. Sometimes that shining the lightness, that uh, light in the darkness, is reminding us, you are a child of the King. You are a child of the promise. This is what the Lord has called you to. Turn from your ways. Put your trust in him. If, if you're struggling, if you're wrestling, know that you have a good father who loves you, who invites you into his presence. Come to him. Run to him. Even when you struggle with sin, that's the safest place for you. Uh, the past uh, semester, we've been looking at, in the youth ministry at uh, the Psalms. And that's what the Psalm does for us. Reminds us to cry out to the Lord who hears us. How are our sons and daughters doing? What are they giving themselves to? What are they valuing? Are they hearing the lies of the evil one? Are they, are they turning to follow uh, the voices of this world? Might we gather as God's people to direct them, to, to remind them that His statutes, His laws, His promises are good Turn them, turn their face to the Lord. That's another thing, first part of chapter, of this chapter, is it's almost like the Father is taking His hand and, and putting them on the, the cheek of His sons and daughters and, and turning the, the gaze upon Him and remind, looking into their eyes, these truths, this wisdom that I offer you, is the lifeblood to your soul, is the, the path in which you are called to walk upon. You are not alone in this. You have a good heavenly Father who loves you. There are consequences if you neglect God's wisdom. So the latter part of this chapter, verses 20 through 27, once again, we're, we're reminded the Father's exhortation Timely word. When you stumble, 
We need that exhortation. We need that reminder. There's forgiveness. Come to the Lord. Find your identity in Him. I don't have time to go into great detail, but if you look at uh, verses 20 through 27, there, there are uh, images that I think Solomon purposely uses here. Ears, eyes, mouth, heart, feet. Once again, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. God has created us complex, whole, uh, and ever since Genesis 3, broken and fallen. He is the only one who can bring healing balm. And he does so, so through the gospel. The gospel of God's grace through faith in his son Jesus Christ. Verse 20, ears. Just real quick, positive aspects. Hear the call. The Lord is calling out to you to come, to turn from your ways and put your trust in Him. Heed that call. The Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And if you don't heed His ways or His call, it will be to your demise. Do not tarry. Do not take this lightly. The Lord is calling to you. Trust in Him. Our eyes. We use our eyes all the time, do we not? Not just in the sense of what we see or walking or looking at, but what, what comes in, right? What we give ourselves to. What are, what are you giving your eyes to? What are you struggling with? Do you, do you compare yourself with other people around you? Do you, do you look at yourself and see ugliness? Do you struggle with your identity? Do you, do you see the, the, the voices, the pictures of our world? Are you drawn to them? Turn from your ways. Know that you have a Father who sees you. That's a, that's a huge part. If you look at Exodus, Genesis and Exodus, we have a God who sees and hears and he comes to us. If we do not, it will lead to our destruction. Our heart will be corrupted. Leads to the next point, verse 24, our mouth. So what we see, what goes into our heart, which we'll talk in a few minutes, comes forth through our mouth. Our words, how we engage one another. I'm reminded of this. This week, in fact, Andrea and I were arguing last night of how I use my words in bringing up our children and how I talk to her. Uh, oftentimes, what we say, what we think, uh, is, is a demonstration of what's in our heart. Here's the, the beauty of it. God has redeemed the, our whole body. He, he uses our mouth for His glory. Just think about how we're able, after uh, the, the Spirit comes into our life and gives us a new heart, how we're able to use our mouth to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to encourage each other in the ways of the Lord, to build each other up. That's how you and I are called to use our mouth for His glory and the good of those around us. 
what we see here, uh, the, the path of the evil one, uses his words or her words to the destruction of those around us. We've experienced it, have we not? And gossip and slander, we've, we've felt those, those barbs. But we're reminded that God's glory, his power, his majesty, his grace and mercy abound even more uh, than these things. We're reminded in, uh, we're talking about it in uh, youth group in Ephesians chapter 6 with the whole armor of God. We're, we're called to trust in the Lord. He will protect us. He's given us the armor to snuff out the lies of Satan. Verse 21 through 23, heart, consider, ponder, tuck God's word, his promises into your heart. Let it guide you and keep you. Let it manifest in you and through you. If you have a changed heart, then you're going to have a changed eye, mouth, hands, feet. Your whole being will be utterly transformed. This is sure and true. And uh, Solomon is reminding his sons of that. These, this wisdom, these statutes, they are your lifeblood. The negative aspect of it is if you're apart from the Lord, what springs from a, a fallen heart is wickedness, is brokenness. And we cannot save ourselves. That, that is our, our plight. That's our, our reality apart from God's redeeming work in our lives. He's all about the heart. He's all about exposing our heart and offering the healing balm of good news that you have a new heart, that God is living in you. His Spirit is guiding you. He's reminding you of His promises. He's applying the Word to you. He's applying what Christ has purchased for you to your heart. We are called to remember these things and we're called to remind those around us, even our children, of these things in spite of ourselves. And then lastly, verses 26 through 27, feet. The Father is exhorting, if you have a heart that is captured by God's word, then he's going to direct you on paths of righteousness. This is a sure thing. That's the language that Solomon is reminding his sons. Why would they need to know that? When they go off track, when they turn their own way, that God will redirect them to himself. If you look at verse 26, it's, it's really interesting. Verses 25 and 26. It says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and all your ways be sure. So that latter part, be sure, uh, in, in the Hebrew has this connotation of planning out and establishing a road. Just think about it. We've seen all kinds of construction around here, right? On the roads. What are the, what kind of equipment is used in constructing or establishing a road? Plows, heavy machinery, uh, things, mechanisms that clear a path, a straight path. Um, that's the kind of thing that Solomon is reminding. When your way is sure, it is God who's clearing the path before you. When we lived in Michigan, and I'll close with this, 
I, I saw this really weird thing. I worked in a, a town called Harrison Township. It's right outside of Detroit, about 16 miles kind of northeast of Detroit. And they did not have paved roads on the back roads, neighborhood roads. And I thought that was really weird. But what, if, for those of you who are from Midwest or North where there is snow, what happens to uh, concrete or, or at, um, as, asphalt? In the, in the cold weather and in the hot weather of, of, of the summertime. They break up, right? Uh, ro- roads are destroyed. So this township, this town decided kind of back roads not to, to pave it. Uh, because they knew that they would have to pay money to, to repave it over and over and over again. And that's really expensive. So what do they do? They brought in heavy machinery that takes about a couple inches off the top in the summertime. So the, the, when, when the snow melts and creates a puddle and, and kind of digs into the, the ground of the, of the, of the road, this machinery comes through and straightens it out again. That's the idea here, uh, that Solomon is bringing in. I, I doubt he thought of plows, but it's the, that mechanism. What is that mechanism that makes our paths straight? Jesus Christ, His righteousness. Imputed to us. We are united to Jesus. This is a sure thing. Your paths will be made straight. You can enter into the presence of the Lord freely. You can walk in His presence. You can follow after Him fast and hard because He sustains you. He supports you. He, he, uh, takes away that which causes you to stumble before Him. Rest in that. This is your promise as sons and daughters of the promise that you hear his call, that you see the truth of his gospel, that you tuck it away in your heart, that it flows through you. These aren't things that uh, you have to gain God's love. This is who you are. This is God's love demonstrated for you, that you have a new heart a new mind, a new soul before him. So going back to uh, verse 18, we wait with anticipation until the noon day when Christ returns to make all things right and new. So until that day comes, Solomon, the father through Solomon to you and me as his sons and daughters, make straight the paths before the Lord. Trust in him. Lean on him. Rest in Him. Know His healing balm that He offers forgiveness. Trust in Him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, You are good. You remind us that You are the source of all wisdom and insight. You remind us that You alone are the one who keeps us on paths of righteousness. That You have made... our path sure and straight before you. That we can enter into your presence with confidence and assurance, resting in the forgiveness, resting in our identities as your sons and daughters. Lord, we pray that that would impact our relationships, impact our work, that would impact how we view the church, how we view one another. Might we use our bodies, our words, uh, for your glory and edification of your church. For we pray this through Christ. Amen.